Kedushin Yutes. We're starting six lines down on the Amr Daf Yutes Amr Aleph. The Gemara has been talking about Yud. We touched on that yesterday. Yud is the concept when a person sells his daughter as a, as a maidservant. Amr Ha'ivriah, when she's a minor. So the option is given to the master that either him or his son will marry her. And we're exploring how exactly uh, the nature of that and different halachas within that. So, Rish Lakish, Rish Lakish has a question. Can a person give his maidservant in Yud to his son if his son is still a minor? So, meaning the master has the option, the Pasuk says, of marrying her himself personally, doing Yud to her, or marrying her off to his son. So the question is, what if his son is a minor? Could it still work? So generally, what's the halacha? There's no such thing as marrying a minor because... Because you need das, right? I mean, there's an idea you need das. Now, a father can marry off his daughter. That's a unique thing about a daughter. But you can't marry off your son. There's no such halacha. The son needs his own intent, his own das to be able to do such a thing. But the Gemara here is wondering that since the Torah says, Im yadena, maybe the Torah says that the maidservant can be given in year to his son. It's just maybe a right that the father has, a unique right. Im yadena, no way. Even though the Torah says he can marry her off, to his son, it's a son that's like the father. Just as the father is an adult, so to the son has to be an adult. So the Gemara is questioning, is there an exception to the rule? Is there an anomaly where a son can be married even though he's a katan in a scenario of yud? So the Gemara says, So we're talking about here the isser and the transgression, the penalty for adultery. So the Pasuk says, ish. So it says a person is adult, has adultery with a, with a man's wife. So the Torah says everyone's put to death here. So... Ish pratlakatan. That says that if he's an adulterer, if a minor is the one who's sleeping with um, who's sleeping with a married woman, then there's no punishment. Then the pasuk continues. Then it says it has adultery with the man's wife. Pratlakatan excludes the minor's wife. So meaning to say, if a minor has a wife, so then the person who sleeps with that with that woman is 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 is, um, is, is potter. We're saying that that woman and the adulterer is not high of Misa for Eshazish. So we have a Pasuk again excluding the wife of a Katan. If she is an adulteress, she has no death penalty. So wait a second here. I mean, yeah, I'm in Mi'ayid. If you're going to tell me that a maidservant can be given over in year to his son, even when he's a minor, you could have a minor who has a full fledged marriage. So what we're saying is we, the Pasuk just said that when a minor has a marriage, if his wife sleeps with somebody else, then there's no punishment. Practic Gemara, why not? If you're going to tell me across the board never that, that he never has a full-fledged marriage, then it would make sense. But if you're going to tell me that there's an anomalous scenario where Katan could have a full-fledged marriage in the case of Yud, so then in that scenario of Yud, then there should be, in fact, the punishment of a death sentence if someone would, be, would sleep with this, uh, son's, with this son's wife after Yud. So why is the Pasuk Mashman that there's never a death penalty? So Dr. Kumar, well, what's the alternative? Elamai, what are you going to try to prove from here? Ain't that the Pshat is he can't give her over in Yud to the son who's a minor, and that's the Pshat. That's the pshat. Why there's no death sentence ever? Well, then Amai come Amai lakra. Why does the pasuk say that we're going to exclude the minor's wife if there's no such thing as a minor's wife? Meaning the gemara is coming from a different angle now. If there is no such thing as the wife of a minor, that is a paradox itself. The wife of a minor, from the Torah perspective, if a minor is ever married, that is not a marriage. So the pasuk is excluding the wife of a minor. The pshat is there is no such thing as a wife of a minor. So so just the opposite. Tishno demiayid. I should instead prove that there is a scenario of a wife of a minor. And that happens when it's given over as a maidservant to you to a minor. And uh, just the Torah is making a Xeris 
that she's not liable for adultery. It's like a fascinating concept what the Gemara is trying to say. That maybe to the contrary, it, 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 maybe you should prove from here that there is a marriage to the minor um, through Yud. And yet, for whatever reason, the Torah is saying that there's no punishment for the adultery that would happen subsequently from that relationship. But, but, but to come along and prove the way you proved, initially says the Gemara, that there must be the Pshad is that there is no marriage. No, then it would be funny that the Torah is being Mamai, the Ashish Kata. So therefore, the Gemara is now The Gemara is instead coming out of the place that it must be there is Yud. And Fakarit, that's the case of Ashish Katan. That's the case of Ashish Katan. And yet the Torah, for whatever reason, is being amayated from the liability of adultery. So the Gemara deflects the proof that way, and we bring out another case out there. Again, it's an unbelievable anomaly where a Katan can have a marriage. Amar we're dealing with a Yivam scenario. Ben Teisha Shana Vyomachar, he's nine, days, nine years old and, and one day. The reason we're saying nine years old is because only a nine-year-old boy, his Bia is considered a Bia. Again, he doesn't have Das, but Yivam doesn't need Das. But the nine-year-old boy is eligible. His Bia, his Maisa Bia is a Maisa Bia. He's having relations with the Yivama. And the Gemara is assuming that a marriage can take place. This Yivama has a, is, is bound to him to do the act of Yivam. So I would say that since she's becoming actually his wife, because normally what's the holdup for a Katan to have marriage? Because he doesn't have Das. But Yivam doesn't need Das. All Yivam needs is a Bia. So as long as he's nine years old, his Bia is a Bia. I mean, Daraisa, she's supposed to marry him. Great. So now one would have thought that the marriage that comes out from that, that if one would later, somebody else would have Bia with her after, with the Yavama, after she already had Bia with the Yavam. So now th- that would be adultery. There should be Ishish. Kamashwa on the Pasuk is telling us that no, even though the act of even causes her to become the Katan's wife, that there's still not going to be adultery at a later point, a, a liability for adultery at a later point. So we're basically saying, you're thinking that you're going to bring a proof that there's yield to be no katan from here? There's not. That's not the proof. The anomaly that the Torah might be talking about, what is an Aishas katan? An Aishas katan, why is that not a paradox? The answer is that one case is through Yibum. And yet the Torah is coming along and saying, despite the fact that she becomes his wife, nonetheless, there's not going to be a death sentence. I said over the Gemara the way Rashi learns the Gemara. Rashi Taka learns the Gemara this way. That when the nine-year-old has, has, has Yibam with the Yivama, they, she becomes his wife. He's Kona her, Taka on a Daraiso level. And all that happens, all that happens is, a, um, is that there's no Chi of Ish. In other words, there's no Chi of death sentence for the adultery that comes out, that emerges from that relationship. Taisus disagrees. Taisus actually holds that the Pasuk is telling us that, that not just that there's no death sentence. The Pasuk is telling us, Taka, that, that, that she doesn't become his full-fledged wife. You would have thought maybe Midaraiso she should. And Kamash Malah and Taka is that no, that a cousin is excluded completely from having a wife, even in the scenario of Yibam. So it comes out of Tzmachalikas, Rashi, and Taisvis, if the mitzvah of Yibam is actually fulfilled by the nine-year-old boy, what, whether or not it actually works. According to Rashi, yes, hey, you don't need that. So according to Taisvis, no, the Paschal Kufot may be telling us otherwise. Anyway, so now we go back to our question, if the minor can do Yud, can do can can become married through to the Amma every three years. The Gemara says, "My have a lot." We pass in Tashma, Ravu, Ravana. Ain Yud El Vigado. Yud can only involve an adult. Ain Yud El Midas. Yud can only happen with intent. So that's absolutely clear from the Brayso that a minor cannot have Yud. So the Gemara says, "Tarti are these two separate halachos?" Meaning. It's, it's, it's really the same thing. Since, Yivam, since Yud is Kedushin, that needs legal intent, therefore, 
it, it needs an adult. So why are you presenting it like it's two separate halachos? So the Gemara explains, you're right. The b'risa was matam kama. The b'risa was stating the reason for the first part. Matam ain yud el What was the reason? Why we say yud can only be done by an adult? Lefish ain yud el Because yud is in a marriage that requires intent. What was the second halacha that we were saying that it requires intent? Midas dida. It requires her intent. And now we bring up a whole new variable. We keep on talking about how this Amaha Ivri as a maidservant being taken in marriage. Do we require her das? And the reason it's such a fascinating shayla is because Mitzad Echad, every marriage requires the consent of the woman. She has to be a willing party. And so she's a makna. Rashi says on Daphne Abdallah, it's das makna. Of course you need the woman's das. Mitzad Shani here, she's a slave. Right? She's an Omaha Ivriya. So perhaps we can say that the, the master, the Torah placed her under the jurisdiction of the master, and even forcibly, he's allowed to take her here uh, through, in, through Yud. And what the Pariso is saying is that it's not like that. It requires her intent. What's the Pshat? It requires her intent. So the Gemara says, the son of taught in the Pariso, when it's talking about Yud, it says, if the master didn't like her and he wasn't Yada. Right, he didn't. He didn't do yid. So we see that we can also read yada as like making someone aware, like information, making someone aware. When you do yid, yes, to inform the maidservant. So what does that mean? And he explained What we're saying, the price is halacha that she has to be informed only applies to kedushin to yid. And the scenario is we're going like who says that the original money is not given over for the sake of Kedushin. Remember, how does Yid work? Where is the Kedushin? According to the simple shot, the original money that was given to the father retroactively is becoming determined that it's actually most Kedushin. So if you would hold that way and the father was the one who made the Kedushin, therefore, so his Das was already there. You don't have to, you don't, you don't need her Das in any way. Why would I need her das. Why y'all Why does it have to work with her yadiyah? What do you mean her yadiyah? It just happens because I made up with the father originally that the money that I gave him is either for slavery, and if I determine that retroactively it's determined for condition. So I don't need her das. In other words, that would be the Pashup Shah. Why you don't need her das? Because I had the das of who? Of the father. It's just like a father can marry off his daughter regularly. So he can do this this blend of selling her as a maidservant slash marrying her off in retrospect, that you can do such a thing. Mashankin, like Rabbi Yisrael Yudah, he holds that the original most are not the Kesef Kedushin. He holds the way it works is that the remaining debt that the girl has towards the master, that she's required to work, the master can cancel that and waive that and give that cancellation to her as most Kedushin. That's the money of the Kedushin. So according to his approach, it's like a new Kedushin that's taking place now with the girl. If it's a new Kedushin that's taking place with the girl, so then it requires her Das. That's the love. That's what we're trying to say. Whether or not it requires the girl's Das depends if there's a new Maisa Kedushin. If it was the father making the Kedushin because the original Mos with the Mos Kedushin, then the father's Das was there. You don't need the girl's Das. But if Mos Rishonim were not the Kedushin, it's the Mos Kedushin are what's happening now when, when he's waving, he's being Mochel the dad, so then it's really taking place with the girl. So then you're going to require her Das. Now, obviously, it's a big Kedush because she's a minor. Normally, a minor's das is not good. Obviously, yud is exeris akasov. Exeris akasov that somehow her das is binding. That's what the Gemara is assuming, like Rabbi Yisroel Yudah. But different explanation. Rabbi Nachman Yisroel Kama Filu Tamele Kedushin Enu. 
The Rabbi Nachman Yitzchak is saying that you're making a mistake about Rabbi Yitzchak Yehuda. Really, Moser Rishonim is the Kedushin Inu. The father is accepting it for the sake of Kedushin. So why in the world do you need the girl's das at that uh, later on? If really it was the father's das with the gmos that he was makabel earlier, shani yacha, it's different. Meaning you're right. Normally a father can marry off his daughter. We don't need her das. We require the father's das. But here the gzeres hakasov yada tells us that she must be informed that we must work with uh, with her sense of uh, with her sense of das. Okay, so it might be gzeres hakasov. So now the Gemara gets into what is this Rabbi Yosi Rabbi Yehuda that we keep on quoting? My Rabbi Yosi Rabbi Yehuda. Titania says in the it says if he didn't marry her through Yud, then he has to call and he caused her to become redeemed. So what is this Indian? When we learn to hear as follows, let's say it would be the last day of her term and the master suddenly says, I want to do Yud. And it actually makes sense, right? Because he probably wants to maximize her servitude and only at the very last moment kind of chap on the, seize the opportunity to marry her. So if it's the last day of the term, there has to be enough time left in the day for her to become redeemed through Girayon Kesef. In other words, there has to be value left on her, on her term. If there's value left on her term, then you can do yud. If there was enough time left in the day for her to perform a pruta's worth of work, then yud could work. If there's not enough time to even work a pruta, she can't become married. What's the shot? Why does there have to be any time left? The lumdas must be of Rabbi Yisrael is that the original money is not the Ma'al's Kedushin. The original money was time for it to be for to sell her. Now he's being mocha, what remains out of, of her debt to work, he's being mocha that to her, L'shem Kedushin. So if there's enough time that she could work a Prutas, are very good. So that's the Ma'al's Kedushin he's giving her Prutas worth. But if there's not enough time, there's a second left on the clock where she can't do anything, so there's not a Shava Prutas in the, in the Kedushin when he cancels it. So that's where we keep on getting Rabbi Yudas, Rabbi Yudas position that the Ma'al's Rishon is lava Kedushin. And we're coming from this point that he says there has to be enough time left Left in the day to work a pruta. However, not everyone agrees. As we keep on seeing, Rabbi Nachman Yitzchak says you got the wrong idea from Rabbi Yitzchak. Really, Rabbi Yitzchak really it is the shot. Everyone agrees. That's universal. Even like Rabbi Yitzchak, that the original money is turning into kedushim. I. Why would we require a little bit of time? The Torah says that that there's girayon kasef right next to the words in the Torah of yud, and we learn from there that you can only do yud in the moment where it's shy to also redeem her with money that there's value left on her term. But it's not because the, the most Kedushim are happening by the cancellation of, of, of the debt. Really, the most Kedushim are happening from, in retrospect, the original money. Okay, continues the Gemara. Amar Rava, Amar Rav Nachman. Omar Adam Levito Katana. Like we can learn from Rabbi Yisrael Behuda that a person can tell his, his, his daughter when she's a minor, they go out and accept your condition. Where do we see this? So let's just understand. We're here, we're talking about not a maidservant, a regular father. A father can be Makabal Kedushin for his daughter. And she doesn't and, and she doesn't have the das. The father has the das. But what would happen here, says the Gemara, if the father told the minor, I want you to exercise my right. In other words, you go do it, but you're exercising my right. In other words, the girl doesn't really have das, but the father is telling her, I know, I know you don't have das regularly, but I'm telling you to go with a Kabbal of Kedushin. And she does it on her own. Her father is not involved. Still, it would be chal. So this should be mind-boggling. We would say, how in the world is this working? She's a minor. She doesn't have das. How can it work? So I'll show you how it's true. According to the explanation of Rabbi Yisrael, that the original Mo's Kedushin were not, were not Mo's Rishonis were not the Kedushin. So how does it work? What's happening is that later, at some point, when the master allowed for a Pruta's worth of time left in her term, and he's Mekadesh her by canceling that amount, then it takes effect. But wait a second. She's a minor. 
and she's making the condition with her. In other words, Bishlama, not like Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yudah, the condition is made with the father with the original most. But like Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yudah, the most condition is being made. When the, when the master is canceling the debt, he's making that with who? With the girl. So if he's making that with the girl, but she's a minor, how's that working? What's the Akab Shad and Yud? What do we see here, Xeris HaKosov? That it says, if the father sent her to do it. So what we're saying is a huge Chiddush. If the father sends the minor, the minor to, 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 to go ahead and do it, and the Rishonim explained the Lamdas, it's like a built in power that the father has to send his daughter to represent him. In other words, the daughter can't represent represent herself in her pu'ulas to make her own Maisa Kedushin. But what we learn from this Xeris HaKasav of Yid in Rabbi Yosef's position is that the father can send her to exercise his rights. It's like almost a built-in assumption of shlichus somehow, even though she's a minor. And if we showed him struggle with another point here, but she doesn't have a yad. How does she make a kinyan? She's a, she's a minor. Say we showed him it must be that you can make a kinyan with the minor when there's das acheres makdam. When someone's giving something to a child and they're just receiving it, that they could. So, so we see it from Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yudah because as follows. According to Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yudah, where's the most kedushin by Yud? It's not the original money. It's not the original money. So where is it? When there's time left on the term, the master goes to the girl and he says, I'm Michael you that you don't have to do the rest. And the, 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 the hana that you have that, that I'm giving you from that, that you don't have to do the rest of the term, that's the most condition with you. So the Gemara, that's there, fine. But she's a katana. You're making the condition with her. She's a katana. Katana can't make a condition. So how does that work? The father is not, in the, is not, is not performed, is not involved in this, in, in this Maisa condition at that point. Must be what we extrapolate from here is this mind-boggling idea that a father can tell the minor girl that you go be macabre. It's like the Torah is giving her a built-in right to represent the father's interests. And again, with the Kenyan, the Rishonim are explaining that with Da'as Maknas, she receives it. And therefore, uh, the condition is working really somehow as a representation of the father's uh, uh, jurisdiction. So, even without Yud, in a regular case where the father says he might see see it would work says the Gemara one more point let's say someone's a woman by being mochal alone he's being mochal alone so, so that's so that's essentially what's happening by Yud so we see that she could become Kudeshes just like Rabbi Yud's Rabbi Yudah did even if he holds on to the mashkan meaning we're saying like this let's say there was a mashkan on the loan and the malva is retaining the mashkan He's being mochel the debt, but he hasn't yet given back the mashkan. Obviously he will, but he hasn't yet. Could we say that he's canceled? Can you cancel a debt and be, give someone hanov cancellation of a debt as long as you're still holding the mashkan? Or do we say, no, only once you return the mashkan do we really see the cancellation. We see from here that the cancellation could occur even while you're holding the mashkan. What's the most condition? What's the most condition like it's, it's, it's the fact that now he's canceling the debt. Hi, It's just like a cancellation of a loan. But her own body is like a collateral to that loan because she is held by this master. So what's the master saying? I am Michael, you don't have to work the rest. But in a certain sense, he's still holding her. So like, he hasn't returned the collateral. Nonetheless, I see that it's a cancellation of that. Nonetheless, when... There's a proof there's worth of time left in her term, and he's makadish her, but that year, Avi Kedushin, it works. So, Achanami Lo if he's mocha alone, and he had kept his security, it's no different, and the Kedushin is still chal. So, we're just explaining that even if he hasn't returned the security by being mocha a debt and giving her that new, that new benefit, it is Kedushin. 
Says the Gemara Tan Rabban a little bit more. Ketan Motzis Yud. How is the mitzvah of Yud actually done? Amol of Nishnayim. The master says to the maidservant in front of two witnesses. You always need witnesses. Harei Mekudeshli Harei Mekudeshli. Afilu Besosheish. Afilu Samach Lashiyas Chama. He can do it at the end of the six-year term, and even right before the sun sets on the last day. Vinogva Minak Ishos. Vinogva Minak Shivchas. After that point, he treats her only as a wife and no longer as a servant. So the Tanakama holds that you don't need any time on the clock to remain. Whereas Rabbi Yisrael, Rabbi Yudah Omer, this is the point which we have seen. Only if there's enough time left in the day to, to work a prutas of work. And again, as we've explained, the Prat and the Lamdas and the Machlokas Pashas, according to Rabbi Yisrael, Rabbi it's a new Kedushin that's being made only from now with the cancellation of the debt. According to the Rabbanon, retroactively, the old money is becoming Kedushin. What's an analogy? Omer Isha, imagine a case where a man did a Kedushin and he said to the woman, It's to me of now, but after 30 days. So it's an interesting Lashon that he's saying. Now, after 30 days. So what does that mean? He's saying, Really, it should happen now. But just if I'm still interested in 30 days. So after 30 days, it's retroactively binding from the very, from the begin, from the very beginning. So what would happen? If another person attempted to be Mekadosh within 30 days, what would the law be? She's still going to be Mekadosh to the first person. Why? Because his condition is retroactive. He said, I'm Mekadosh you now if I'm still willing after 30 days. So once the 30 days comes and he's still willing, it's retroactively that he was married to her. Therefore, that preempts the second person's condition and he's not married to, and the second one's not married to her. Rather, she's married only to the first one. So when we said, we said that this is an analogy, Marshall Laman, which opinion are we drawing this analogy from? If you say it's from Rabbi Yehuda's perspective of Yehuda, that's not true. Rabbi Yehuda is saying that there's a new Kedushin that's taking place by the master at the very end. Rabbi is saying that the whole point is that it's not retroactively. It's only if there's a Pruta's worth of amount of work left, time left in her, on her term, that then he's Makadish her by canceling the debt. So it's not a retroactive condition. So you're trying to bring out an analogy of, of Ruvain who was Makadesh and then Shimon tried to get in there, but Ruvain wins because Ruvain did it retroactively. You don't see a, 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 that as a good analogy to Rabbi Yisrael Yehuda. So I'm Rabbi the Rebbe. You're right. Mashal the Rabbanon. It's a mashal from the Rabbanon's perspective of Yehuda. According to the Rabbanon, Yehuda takes place retroactively, and that's exactly what we're saying. Just as by the Rabbanon, the most are retroactively most Kedushin and she was married the whole time. So, so that's what it is here. When the first person was Makadish from now, if I'm still willing after 30 days, so when after 30 days he's willing, she's retroactively married to her from the beginning of the time. And that's why the second person's Kedushin is not Chal. So it's too obvious, meaning... What was it necessary for the Rabbana? Yeah, it's obviously my friend. Says the he may have thought, In the case of Yid, the master didn't say it should be Mekudeshus from now. So, meaning, what do I see? By Yid, there's something that's very interesting. When the father was talking to the, to the master, did they say that if I decide that I want Yid, then retroactively the money should be Kedushin? Was that stated? No. That was never in the words. The Torah is just saying that when he decides to do Yid, retroactively the money was always Kedushin. Someone can get the wrong impression and say, it's always like that. If I give a woman money now and I say it should take effect after 30 days, even if I didn't say from now, even if I didn't say me'achshaf, but if I then decide that I still want it, so then maybe it's retroactively from the time I gave the money. Come on, no, 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 no. Just because there's exeris akasav in yid like that, but if you want to apply this concept in a regular case, you got to say me'achshaf. You got to say me'achshaf or else it's not going to be retroactive. Okay. Another brisa on the same theme here says the Gemara Tanya Yidach. Another brisa: Mochas Bido, someone sold the daughter. Then, so listen to this case: the father sold her, and then he gave her in kedushin to another man. 
So he sold her, but now he's being Makadish to somebody else. The father laughs at the master, meaning he laughs at the master because he has just removed his ability to do Yud, because she's now married to the second man. This is the pin of Rabbi According to Rabbi Yisrael, it's not. The whole point is that Yud is not retroactive. Yud is a decision that once the master cancels it from then and on, he's making the condition. So if after he sold her, he, the father is Makadish her to a different person, so the second condition is valid. The second condition is Chal. Even if now the master wants to do Yud, it's going to be too late for him. It's going to be too late for the master to do, to do Yud because she's already married to another person. That's where Pesach Rebbe perspective. Whereas the Chachamim are going to say, no, if the master wants to do Yud, he, if the master wants to do Yud, he could. Why? Because according to the Chachamim, the money is retroactively determined at that point to become Allah's condition. So actually, the first the condition to the master preempts the condition to the other person. I find one thing interesting is that the, the fact that in Rabbi Yisrael, Rabbi Yudah, the father is able to do this, meaning it seems like it's going against the, almost what the Torah says. The Torah says you sell, and now the master has the option of Yud. The truth is, is that the father can sell and, and kind of mess up the master by, by then being Makadashir to somebody else and then undermining the possibility of Yud happening from the master. I find this a very interesting point, a hard point. But Al-Qabadim, like the Rabbanan, the, master, the, the father doesn't have the ability to do that because the master can always retroactively make that he was married the whole time. Says the Gemara, Mashal, let's make an analogy. A person said to a woman, after 30 days. Here he didn't say from now. He just said, I'm a Kaddish you, and it should take effect after 30 days. Another person comes and betrothes her within the 30 day period. She's Makadesh to the second person. Why? Because the first person's condition is only after 30 days. Here he didn't say, So now the second condition comes first. Where are we getting the analogy from? If you say from the Rabbanan's perspective, but the Rabbanan say the opposite. I'm a Rabbanan the Rabbanon are saying here that when the master wants to go do Yid, he may, which prevents the second person's condition from taking place. We're saying the opposite, that the, the master's condition is retroactively and then binding, and then that therefore knocks out the second person's condition. Means the analogy is from Rabbi Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda holds that Yid is only for the future, and therefore since the second condition came first. The master is prevented from doing yibum, from doing yud. So too over here, if someone said, I'm Mikadash Yud, where it should take effect after 30 days, if the second person go, 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 gets in there and is Mikadash before 30 days, she'd be Mikadash to the second person. Says the Gemara Pshita, but that's an obvious point. Well, what's the novelty? Says the Gemara, you would say, that he didn't actually tell the girl that Yud should take effect after 30 days. So meaning maybe by Yud, the master is deciding out of the blue, he's deciding, you know what, let me go ahead and make Yud. This was not something which was spoken about. He's just deciding out of the blue, I want to go ahead and make Yud. So if he's just saying, I want to make Yud, so then obviously, once someone else was Makadashir, so then the master is doing is too late. Okay, great. But in the case where Ruvain said, I'm Makadash you after 30 days, so even if he said it should take effect after 30 days, but you would say, he started the process. So maybe the Shimon can't get in there. Kamash Malon, that Shimon could get in there and mess up Ruvain because as long as Ruvain said it should only take effect after 30 days, despite the fact that he did the Maisa Kedushin now, but the effect will only come later. This is like classic Lumbus. The Maisa Kedushin is now, but the whole Chalais is after 30 days. So the Gemara is saying that even though you did the Maisa now, but if I state that it should take effect after 30 days, so so then this, there is still a possibility of the second person coming in. So to summarize, we have two Mishal. One is a case that we learned before where a person said it should be Chal now if I still want it after 30 days. There, somebody else is Makadish in the interim. She's still Makadish to the Rishon. And the second case is where someone said, I'm Makadish, you, where it should take effect after 30 days. There we say to the contrary. And if somebody else tries to come in and Makadish her, someone else tries to be Makadish her, then it will uh, be Chal to the second person.
All right, says the Gemara a little bit more with Yid here. Let's say somebody sold the daughter as the maidservant, but he made a stipulation in the sale that it's only on a condition that the master will not do Yid. So you're basically going against the Torah. The Torah says the master could. And you're making a stipulation in the sale only if there's no yid. hold. Stipulation stands. The master may not do yid. He still could. What's the rule when you want to make a stipulation? The rule is that a stipulation is only in your, in your, in your power to make if it's something that is fits in accordance with the Torah law. I could say, I'm a Kaddish, a woman, you know, on condition that it rains tomorrow. On condition I'll give 200 says whatever. Because that, the Torah doesn't say one thing about that or the other. But here, this is against what the Torah said. So therefore, the Tanai is not binding. And if the Tanai is not binding, it's as if you didn't make it. And therefore, the, and therefore the master could could um, marry her. So, Akdumar, what does it sound like? Rameir to know, to know Kayim. It sounds like Rameir holds you could make a Tanai against the Torah. Vatanya says in a different price that even Rameir agrees you can. Vatanya, a man said to a woman, He's trying to marry her, but not be achroid to the regular liabilities of marriage to support her, give her clothing, and to necessarily have relations with her. So he's making, trying to create a marriage that doesn't fit in accordance with the way the Torah sees it. Harizim Kadesh is to know about the Mayor. Mayor says that the Tanai is not valid, and therefore he's married without all of his stipulations. In effect, he has to do all the regular points of marriage. Regarding the monetary matters, like food and clothing, the stipulation is good, because by monetary matters, you could be mochel always. So therefore, the Tanai is kaim. But Al-Kopan, what do we see from Rameir? We see very clearly Rameir agrees to the principle that you can't make a stipulation against the Torah. So why is Rameir saying, if somebody sold the daughter on condition that the master will not do yud, that the Tanai is valid, it's against the Torah. So Amar Chizkiah, generally, you're right. Masa Moshe Torah doesn't work. But Shani Alcha is different here by Yid. The Amar Kral La'ama. The Pasuk says if a person sells his daughter as a maidservant. So it's an extra word because obviously you're selling, you're selling as a maidservant. So The Pasuk is teaching us that there's a case where he's selling only as a maidservant without the option of marriage. Meaning it's Xerus HaKasim. The Pasuk is indicating there is this power of the father to sell her only as a worker, as opposed to a worker with the possibility of Yid. Says the Gemara, the Rabbana obviously didn't hold that way. So what do they use the word Lama for? Says the Gemara, they need it for the following bride. So Lama says his maidservant, he could sell her to people who are not allowed to marry her, to psulim, disqualified people. Who are disqualified people? Rashi says, for example, a moms or a moms or a nasim. If, if a girl is sold to such a master, she's being sold only as a maidservant, meaning the master wouldn't be permitted to do yud. And nonetheless, the Torah is saying that the sale is in fact valid. Says the Gemara, the bride said self questions, why do I need a Pasuk to teach me that? It's logical that the father could sell even to Psulim. If we know that a father can be Makadish, his daughter in general, and we know that if he's Makadish or to someone who is Pasul, still the Kedushin Bidiyevit is Chal. If a person marries off his daughter to a Mamzer, it shouldn't be done, but after the fact, it is a binding marriage. Would you think that I can't sell to a disqualified person? If I could actually make a Kedushin, a Kedushin Mamish, to a Pasul, and it would take effect, certainly the sale to a Pasul should take effect. So why do I need the Pasuk of La'ama? Says the Gemara, no. What, what, how are you, what are you comparing it to? To the father's power of Kedushin, Shekin, Ba'adam, Kedushin, Nara. You can be Mekadish, your daughter, even when she's above 12. Even after she starts displaying signs of maturity, until she's 12 and a half, he could still make, make, make Kedushin. So we see the power of jurisdiction for Kedushin is greater. In Karen, so how can you prove that he could sell it to disqualified people? You can't sell your daughter once she's 12. So we see that the jurisdiction to sell is more limited, is smaller. So that's why I needed the pasuk that there is a kayach to sell as a maizer even tipsula. So the first approach of the rabbi is so 
Amma comes to say that you could sell even to Psula. Rabbi Lazar Omer, second interpretation. If the phrase is coming to say, coming to say that he could sell it to possible people, it's impossible. Why? Because we know that the pasuk goes on that let's say she was displeasing to the master and he didn't do yud, and the pasuk goes on to say you have to still you know get rid of her in a nice respectful way. But what is the pasuk saying? If she was displeasing in the eyes of the master, she was What, what didn't he like? It meant not in like you know an arbitrary sense. I like you. I don't like you. But rather displeasing halachically. She was forbidden to him. She he couldn't do yud. He was inhibited from doing yud because she was forbidden to him. So the pasuk clearly is talking about a scenario where the maidservant was a dis, was married to the disqualified person. So then why do I need laama? I already see from there that a person can sell his daughter even to apostles. So what's laama telling you? Top of the manalav even to relatives. This is a much bigger chedesh. Why? Because a karov, not only is it forbidden, it's not even binding after the fact. If somebody would try to make a marriage with a relative, it's not, it's not binding. It can't happen. At least psulim. Maybe it's forbidden, but it could take effect after the fact. Karov, it can't even take effect. Says the Torah, says the Pasuk, but it could still be sold. It'd still be sold. Rabbi Lazar was being mechadish, a much bigger chedish. That even if there's no potential for yid, not only that yid is forbidden, there's no potential, it can never take effect, still the sale can take place. Says the Gemara, why do I need a pasuk for this? First, the Gemara says, well, if you could sell to disqualified people, certainly relatives. Why? If you think about it, it's an interesting point. Um, like the Gemara is trying to is trying to make the point that like 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 psulim should be worse than the relatives in the sense that they that they are puzzle and, and they are not puzzle themselves. Now the obvious point the Gemara says back is that at least when I sell to psulim, there's a potential for yid. But if I but if I but if but if I sell to krovim, there's no potential at all for doing uh, for doing yid. Okay, so the Gemara now explains we can't use logic. Krovim. Okay, so now the Gemara is going to explain how a mayor is going to learn that sale to a sale to forbidden people is still valid. Why do we want to know that? Because remember, how do we get into this whole thing? We had a word. We wanted to know if someone sold his daughter with the condition that there's no yud is it chal? A mayor darshan la'ama to say what that it's still chal. Everybody else was darshan la'ama for other things that it's chal if he sells her to disqualified people. That it's chal if he sells her to krovim. So how does Rameir know that? Rameir holds that disqualified people. You learn it from Rabbi Lezer learns it from. From the Pasikim Rabbi Eni Adonel. And Bekrovim in regard to relatives, he disagrees. Rameir holds like the opinion of the Rabbanon that you cannot sell to relatives. Taka wouldn't be chaos. Since there's no possibility of yud, it would not be chaos. It comes out that it's a machlokas. So now the Gemara just cleans up with, 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 with this point if you could sell to relatives with one last price here. Tani Chadam, one price says, No, you could sell a daughter to one's father. A person can sell his daughter to his father, but he cannot sell his, his daughter to his son. So, but a second bride says he can't sell to either. So, the bride that says he can't sell to either. That's like the Rabbanan that you can't be sold to relatives. Very good. Since there's no possibility of yid, it can't happen. That bride that we understand. No, but the bride that splits, if you want to sell to a father, sell to a son, come on, who does the bride hold like? Because if you hold, you can sell to relatives, and it should be chal both to the father and son. If you hold, you can't be sold to the relatives, and it shouldn't be chal either. What's the split that you could sell to one's father, but you can't sell to one's son? What's the difference? So, we're going like the Rabbanan. The Rabbanan can see that it's okay if there's a possibility of yud. What do we mean? So we have to remember as follows. Who does yud? What does the Torah say? Who does yud? Either the master or the master's son. 
So if you sell to a son, a person sells his daughter to a son, there's no possibility because she won't be able to marry the, the master or, or his son. But if one sells his daughter to his father, who is his father's son? It will be her uncle. A girl is allowed to marry her uncle. There's no forbidden relationship in the Torah, an uncle and a niece. So even though the master won't be able to do Yibam, but at least the master's son will be allowed to do Yibam. So this price holds that this din that you can't be mochel akrovim, we're asking that you could if there's a possibility of Yid. So to sell to the son, there's no possibility of Yid either to master or son, that's no good. But to sell it to the father where there's a possibility of Yid, of yid to the son, that would work. So in conclusion, we have a machlokas if a person sells his daughter with a stipulation that Yid shouldn't happen. There's a machlokas if it works. Rabbi Meir, Darshan, La'ama, that it works. The Rabbanon hold that it cannot work. And then we got into that there's other drushers from La'ama that you could sell her to disqualify people, possibly to Krovim, whereas other opinions say that she cannot be sold to Krovim because there's no possibility of Yid.